Welcome to another Candid Conversation. Today, our guest is Don Buttry. Don is rather well-renowned in the equipment business and beyond as a trainer of people who want to learn how to sell, um, a rather important aspect of our lives. Welcome, Don. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's an honor to be here, old friend, and uh, talk about stuff that we both love. It's kind of funny. I was chatting with a guy by the name of Chris Wilmot. You might remember him from Flagler. He worked for Deer and other, or Volvo and others. And he said, you know, this is a conversation between two old men. He was 70 and I'm 75. You're a young man relative to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, long, how long have you been involved in training, Don? I've been doing training really for the last 25 years. I started out in manufacturing and moved up into sales and was training a lot of our, I was in a manufacturing company and training a lot of our distributors. And then from there, that just became a love. I loved doing that. Uh, I was out on the, the sales field, developing salespeople. And then I just thought, I'm going to jump ship and do this, uh, do what I love. So I've been doing this for 25 years. Fantastic. And, and mainly focused on heavy equipment and equipment dealers. You're on the East Coast now? I'm in Ohio. Where where was the manufacturing company? Uh, in Dayton, Ohio, where I live. Okay, so that's cheating. You didn't even have to move. Nope, didn't even have to move. <laughs> Isn't that, You're a lucky man. It's uh, it's an interesting time these days. How How much has the interest... And what you do changed over the 25 years. How have you made that work? I that's a that's an interesting question. I have never okay, first of all, training is uh is kind of a tough sell because if somebody needs a, a backhoe to move some dirt, they got to get a backhoe. I mean, it may be one competitor, maybe another, but they've got to get a backhoe. Um for some reason, people think training is kind of optional and that they can put it off. And so it, it, it is a tough sell. Uh, my selling cycle is extremely long, but I have, I have really yet to come across anybody that if I said, hey, I'm Don Buttry and I provide intensive fundamental selling skills, uh, is that something you're interested in? The answer is always yes. Man, we need that. My guys need that, but they just the problem is, is they, they just don't pull the trigger and get off a dead center and make it happen. So I have to uh, be a carefully persistent uh, sales stalker uh, to help people do what they know they need to do. And then after they finally do it, they say, why didn't we do this uh, 25 years ago? So what changes have you seen once, once you've got a salesman in a room with you? From 25 years to 15 to five years ago, what's the audience like? Have they changed? Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, of course, we've got a lot of younger people coming in uh, and they're more high tech uh, and, and maybe entitled a little bit. But the reality is uh, they're not going to make it in sales if, if they don't do the disciplines, do the fundamentals, and if they don't have skills. So uh, I haven't really seen... Uh, the the attitude change them, but the the ones I struggle with are some of the old dogs that have been in it for twenty years. Are like, I don't you know I don't need I don't need any training. I don't need any practice. I'm good at what I do. And what they have is twenty years of of experience, but it's it's one year twenty times. Yeah. So they really haven't haven't grown. So I, I haven't seen a lot of changes. I have seen a a lot of 
uh, change in the response to training over the after after COVID. Everybody knows they need it, they want it, but they're so distracted right now. And I'm I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting to see if that settles back in. Uh, but they're like, well, we can't stop doing any training right now because. Right now, we're just scrambling. We're trying to catch up. We're trying to figure out how to do virtual uh, everything. And, and so there's, there's been a lot of uh, delay and hesitation. Uh, but, I, but I think that'll shake out. Yeah, the, the, world, <clears throat> the world around us right now is rather interesting. A lot of the equipment manufacturers have put their dealers on allocation because the product's not readily available. Used right. equipment right. values are coming up dramatically. Yeah. Those companies that are heavily in the rental business that normally sell out of the rental fleet are starting to look at not selling out of the rental fleet because they that's how they make their income. Um, and in the midst of all of that, the companies aren't really sure how much of an impact their salesmen have on the customer. Right. right. And I think as a general rule, Ron, that across the board that that's what I see. They, they like send them out there, do your job, go out and sell. And a lot of times managers don't really know what's going on out. They don't know what their salespeople are doing and they don't really see them. And I ask them, have you done ride-alongs? Well, you know, I should do more, but I haven't. And so uh, we've got salespeople out there that are just doing the best they can. They may be working really hard, uh, but maybe not smart. And, and they're putting a lot of hours in it and they can be demoralized. So I am a firm believer in training and practice. Uh, and I think, as, I mean, we, we know how important training is. It establishes the, the fundamentals. It gives them a framework. It gives them language. It, gives, it shows them what the discipline should be. It gives them hopefully a selling framework, a process to prepare and execute their selling. But if they get that in training and then they don't practice it, I mean, you, you play, I'm a firm believer in this, you play like you practice. And unfortunately in sales, uh, we just don't practice enough. It's like, hey, you got through the training or uh, we hired you as an experienced salesperson. So get out there and sell something uh, instead of, regularly, uh, maybe monthly at least, if not quarterly at the, at the very least, to do some practice, go back and refresh the skills, uh, work on it as a team, and and role play. I'm, I'm a big believer in role play. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can't strap a GoPro on a salesperson's head to see what they're doing out there. The only way you can really know is if you sit down and, and record it. And, and it's not just it's not just the idea of role playing. Uh, the best dealers that I've worked with, the ones that uh, have the highest pins, they're performing, they're getting the job done, their frontline salespeople are good. Um, if, if you look at their management team, their management team is uh, are coaches. Yeah, They're not just putting prices on deals. They're working with them every day. When they got a big deal, that uh, the salesperson comes in their manager's office and says, I'm getting ready to call on XYZ Construction Company this is a huge call. Can I bounce it off of you? And they, they, they do a pickup game 
and they, they, they work through it and they'll say, nah, you probably shouldn't start that way. Cause if you say that, that's going to, I know this guy that's going to tick him off. Can you think of a better way to get to, how do you initiate this call? And what, what are some of the questions you have? What are you going to ask him? And the manager getting, getting that feedback, it doesn't have to be a formal role play, even though I think that's good a few times a year, but just ad hoc pickup games before you go into a call. Uh, now, why don't they do it? Uh, I don't know. I've got some. Why, why do you think uh, salespeople are adverse to that? I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I've seen some reasons. Well, it, it uh, sales management, and this is not necessarily a compliment, have a bunch of salesmen who run around as bird dogs. Yeah. When the transaction gets warm, the boss goes out and closes it. Yeah. So they're, I mean, that's fun. You and I both know that that's, that's exciting. I used to tease people um, about the difference between equipment sales and parts and service. And that you're single as an equipment salesman, your bar, you're hoping to score tonight. The parts and service people have been married 50 years. They know what love is. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between the two. It, you know, I was, I've been at this so long. One of the things I did was that we had the first product support sales team in the Caterpillar network worldwide. That was 1970. And we had, so where do you get them from? We get them from the counter. Okay. What do you want? Somebody who can write clearly and neatly. (laughs) Somebody who knows the product. Well, what about selling skills? Oh, no, that's... It, we don't need to sell the equipment sells itself, the parts that serve, they have to come to us. Holy mackerel. And, yeah. and why, why don't we, why don't we have management that are coaches? Why don't we have salesmen that want to continue to grow? It's, it, it's a mystery. Here's, here's an example. And I don't mean to be taking hogging all the time, but here's an example with, with learning without scars, we have a final assessment of people who have taken a class. The class lasts between two and three hours. It's film clips and slideshows and audio tracks and quizzes and all this nonsense. And it, you know, so the boss goes to a parts manager who's been just like you said, he's, he's been a parts manager for 20 years. He said, I want you to take this class, George. So George, well, I know my job. Now you can go right through to the end and take the final assessment right now. However, you have to get 80% score right. to get a certificate. They go right to the end, take it, oh, darn. Now they go back, well, I must have, I'll just, what we call at home, skim and scan. They do it second time, they still don't get 80%. Pressure's on now because you're only allowed three hits. They And if they want more, they have to go to the boss to call us to say, can you open it up for George again? So the third time through, typically, they get it. From that moment forward, they never have to take the assessment more than once because yeah. they know what the gig is. So you're, the salesmen that come into you, when they leave you, they're full of all manner of good things. And like you say, without practice, it goes away. Do you evaluate those guys when they leave? Yeah, uh, we always do a videotape and critiqued role play at the end. Uh, and here's the thing that I have seen experienced veterans who who make good money and and who perform pretty well, 
that they're doing horrendous things. Uh, they're they're interrupting the customer. They're they're uh, they're assuming stuff. They're they're not asking any questions. They're just presenting their brains out. And when they see it back, I mean, I I, I saw a quote by um, uh, let me see if I can find by Larry Bird. He said, "Coaches can talk and talk and talk about something, but if you can get it on tape and show it to them, it is so much more effective." And they've seen that and said, "Man, I." I, I probably do that all the time and I don't realize. So that they could be getting good numbers, but what are they missing? Yeah. And, and they, they don't realize it. So I think one of the reasons they're adverse is they're, they're kind of afraid to get put on the spot. They're getting by, they're doing okay. They're afraid to get put on the spot, but there there's other reasons they don't want to do it. One is uh, that I have found is because they've had bad experiences in the past right. where somebody coached them. And they picked them apart and they said negative things about them. They opinionated. They didn't train them first. They just went in and started beating them up. And so they're, they're hesitant with that. And, or they, they went, you know, and I love what I do. And there's a lot of great sales trainers out there, but there's also a lot of them out there that it's just like, do it the way I do it. I'm awesome. If you're lucky, you can be like me. And these guys are going to see right through that and say, I don't need that. I do not need to play. I don't need to sell the way you sell. So it has to be personal. It has to be adaptable. It has to be a process where they can prepare and execute their selling in a way that's theirs so that it's real, so that they're not like being judged by some standard that is not fair to them. Yeah. You know, and that, that people are scared. They're afraid of role plays. Well, it, it, it exposes them. Yeah. And, but, and- but sometimes it also unfairly exposes them. Oh, sure. And that's when they get threatened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the person that they're selling to in the role playing is very important. But it, it's you know I used yeah. to teach education and physical in, in phys ed, and we used a, a a standard adage: show somebody what it is that you're going to teach them, tell them what they just saw that you showed them, yeah, show them again, and then let's go try it. And one of the things that I think makes a lot of people nervous about going to a sales school is that they're just like you said, it, it's, I didn't get anything out of that the last time. What are you doing this for? Why yeah. are you doing this to me? I, I, this is a waste yeah. of time. I could be out selling and making yeah. money yeah. and you're going to put me through this, listening yeah. to this dude, uh, ranting and raving about how good he is and his, yep. his yep. 10 tips to sales. And, and, and that's why that's really, you know, over 25 years, uh, And I'm not tooting my horn here. I'm saying that's why uh, equipment dealers have responded to me and heavy equipment salespeople, because I'm not doing that. I'm coming in with uh, proven disciplines, fundamentals, and then a, a, a very adjustable, flexible framework to prepare and execute their selling. So it's not like some, uh, you know, there's 10 steps to selling and you have to go through all those. And if not, you don't get your 80%. No, it's not like that. It's very dynamic. Um, it, it's, it's this, uh, this interaction. I always say that if you want to get action, you have to be a master at the interaction. And that takes a framework. Uh, I, I wrote a book called The Cell Process, which actually tools out that framework. What, do you, what are you going to say when you start? What are some of the questions you're going to ask? 
what, how will you leverage your benefits and your value? And then how will you lock action? Now, that's not a step-by-step process. It's a very dynamic process. But if they have a framework so that they are, they, they're prepared for all those components, then when they role play, they, in other words, they've been trained properly. It's kind of like, you know, I think Rick Patino said it, perfect practice doesn't, or practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. All practice does is make it permanent. So you've got to have a framework to prepare, and then you can start working on your execution and your skills. Uh, I, I I saw a quote, and I I, I wrote it down here. Yeah, um, John Beeline, he's coach of uh, the Michigan Wolverines. He's turned a lot of programs around. Uh, in very short order, usually one to three years to get a 21 season. And, and he's here's what he said. He knows exactly what he wants uh, to do both offensively and defensively. He calls his offense system organized motion offense, where the guys actually have to make reads. You know, what are your, what's your teammates doing? What's the defense doing? And then they make their cuts and their screens based on that information. And this says uh, a lot of guys know how to run plays but they don't know how to play. Yeah. And John Beeline gets his guys to know how to play. And I think that's the kind of role playing I'm talking about. Not some rigid thing where did you check all the boxes or did you, uh, you know, like a robot did do some can selling technique where you're selling your value and pushing benefits. It's, it has to be relationship oriented. It has to be a flow and, and that takes practice. If you really want to get skill, you got to work on those skills regularly. You can't just go out there and expect to do it just because you went through three days of training. Yeah, and you're, you're parallel using athletics as an example, whether it's professional or college or wherever, is, is, uh, it's paramount. Every single professional athlete of every sport practices for their yeah. opponent. The and we, and we, go crazy. When you say the same thing, I don't want a surgeon operating on me who hasn't practiced that procedure and and done it in front of people and done it in front of colleagues so that he's mastered it. And and I don't know why salespeople think they they don't need to do that. We were visiting with a surgeon recently and my wife asked, can this surgery be done laparoscopically? And the surgeon said, yeah. It's more complicated. It's 10 to 12 hours instead of four to six. And then she looked at my wife and she said, I don't think you want me practicing on you for the first time. (laughs) Now think about that. Somebody, you know, my eye doctor, I've got bad eyes. I've worn glasses since I was a baby and probably in the womb. But my doctor was from Australia, really well-educated guy. He was a professor at USC. And I said, what about this LASIK stuff? He said, the Russians have started it. Let them practice on it for five or 10 years. I'll let you know when it's ready. (laughs) You know, it's the same thing. So, you know, I sold encyclopedias when I was in university. And going door to door is an interesting gig. We had one week where we went out with somebody and we, we shadowed them. And at the end of every house visit, we had a review of what the call was, what he did, how he did it, why he did it, all the rest of that, the framework again. And then you go out and it's the first night, the first customer, I'll never forget it. It was a disaster. I was scared to death ringing the doorbell. They're going to answer the door. What am I going to do? Salesman goes out, cold calls. Holy mackerel. There's not, 
That's a very difficult thing to do. You've got to know how to do yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, guy, when, how do they know? When you do know how to do it, oh. all that uh, worry and fear goes away because it's like, I got this. I know exactly what I'm going to say to start. I know what questions I'm going to ask to get a dialogue. I'm ready. And not only that, I've run run through it on a dry run four or five times. I got this down. Um, that, that's, you know, you talk about surgeons when I, I remember when my mom had a heart attack years ago, uh, I, you know, I asked the doctor, you know, how's this procedure going to go? And, you know, is it, is it high risk? And he goes, no, it's not high risk at all. I've done literally hundreds of these. I know exactly what I'm doing. Nothing's going to go wrong. I got this. Uh, and that's the kind of confidence we want salespeople to have, but they're not going to get that if we just throw them out there and we don't, and they don't have to perform in front of their peers and in front of their management. They're just, they're not going to be that good. I call it trust. If the salesman knows what he's doing, knows how to do it, and is good with people and listens, life is easy. Pay yeah. attention. People, the job is travel. easy. When, yeah. Exactly. When, when I, I would take people out and, and kind of on a training run, it wasn't really a good idea because I sell in a weird way. I, I never really called myself a, a, a salesman. And, and I, I still believe that I'm a teacher, not a, a salesperson, but I'd go in with pretty a close. They're both the same. Right. Um, but I go to the customer, the first objection, I used to look at the customer and this is drive my, the people who are watching me sell crazy. First objection I get, um, Don, that's a really good point. Now, if I solve that for you, if I give you the right answer, will yeah. you give me the order now? And the, the guy's with me. I mean, you haven't been talking to them for two minutes, Ron, and you're already looking for a close. So what's wrong with that? Let's yeah. get let's get going. Now, that's not everybody's style, but I got to have a framework. That was the one that worked best for me. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing, too. Every industry and every type of selling has its own unique thing. And that's where I think uh, a lot of times training or practice loses credibility because a salesperson says, well, you don't understand what I deal with in the rental segment or what I deal with, with, you know, I'm selling to mines and that's a completely different thing. And, and I think this is where, and this is what I've really tried to focus on in my training, give them the fundamentals, give them the framework and then let them own it. Let them apply it. If you spoon feed them, and like you said, if the manager goes in and closes all the big deals, we missed the point. We want them to have the skill to be able to recognize, to smell the opportunity, to know what works with that particular customer. Not, not only is our different segments different, but every customer is different. Yeah. And so every call is going to be different. You have to have game. And I think that's that's what we we don't want to just give people a rigid framework or a few techniques we want to give them game so that they can recognize what's going on and know what to do at the right time. Uh, and, and I believe, you know, uh, I, I, Vince Lombardi said the most important thing a coach needs to know is that his team can or can't play under pressure. They've got to be able to do it. And you, as a manager, you have to know they can do it. You can't just hope. Yeah. Uh, hope is not a strategy. They've yeah. got to be able to do it. So, uh, I'm just a firm believer in regular 
role-playing, even if it's just a quick pickup game or a quick bounce off a call before you leave or while you're sitting in the truck before you guys go in there and make that call, run through it. You know, okay, I'll, I'll play the customer. How are you going to start this? Let's, let's run through it. Um, we just don't do that enough. And that takes trust. It takes good leadership. But man, if you can get that in place into an organization, the, it's unstoppable what the team can do. It, yeah. it is it, when you get training and then you regularly practice. And I don't care how good you are, you need to practice uh, because I've been in this for years and I still make stupid mistakes. Like I interrupted that customer. Wow. I know not to do that. And I didn't ask enough questions. So, you know, you got to post call critique every time and say, did I do what I was supposed to do? And if you don't know what that looks like, you're, you're, you're just hoping that you get the deal and you say, well, I didn't get that because that guy's a jerk. Well, maybe it wasn't because he's a jerk. Maybe you just didn't really find out what was going on. My, you know? my biggest flaw is interrupting people. Oh, mine too. Most salespeople. Uh, you know what I do for a living, Ron? I teach salespeople to shut up. They go to product training to learn how to talk. And then I have to reverse that and say, shut up, you guys. So here's, <laughs> you know, jazz musicians have some of the best fundamentals of anybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have to. You know, And they flow. <laughs> absolutely. Have, have you ever seen a, a, a comedic diver in a pool? Three-meter, five-meter pools. These guys go out and they do amazing things that scare the hell out of you and laugh like hell. They are the most precision-oriented people that you ever imagine. John Wooden, one of the best basketball coaches in the history of basketball, spent more time planning his practice than he did in plastics. Yeah. You know, yeah. To work on those incremental little pieces of it. Uh, those, those small little things that can make all the difference in the world. And, you know, Lombardi said there's only five or six big plays in every game and you have to right. make them to win. They have to be ready. When that time comes, you got to know exactly what to do. Uh, and, and sales is like that. It's, it's dynamic. You can't know what's going to happen in that call. And, and so uh, it's not this, this rigid framework, but this flowing, fluid skill development so that you just know how to, how to and, and to be able to slow down. That's, that's probably, I, I've seen literally thousands of role plays. And probably the, the most common piece of advice I get is I'm, I'm like, dude, slow down. You don't have to get in a big hurry. Just sit back and sit in it with them and say, really, what do you mean by that? Help me understand. So, so you said you've been having some problems uh, with, uh, you know, uh, with your equipment. Explain that. Can you fill me in? Oh, yeah, we just had some issues with the competitor. Really? What do you mean? You know, it, this, this, this slow, really just sitting in it and almost like a counselor. Uh, to sit in and really listen. You you said you, you don't look at yourself as a salesperson. You look at yourself as a teacher. It's the same thing. It's they are the same thing. It's it's helping people understand how they're going to solve their problem and helping them get to that conclusion. It's it's a it's a powerful skill, but it's uh, takes a lot of practice to get that good. Yeah, I use two words, Don. One is presenting presentations, and the other is positioning. Yeah. I tell people you can practice your presentation, but then throw it out. Yeah. Because I'm not interested. And these are your customer. What your customer's interested in is how you 
can position your product, whatever it is you're trying to sell yeah. in their business and then let them buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And if they speak it, they own it. If you speak it, yeah, they may not. Um, and you, you, you talk about you a rotten dog. What you, you sold me that thing. Yeah, I, I was I was in a, a sales meeting and there was this old veteran guy there and he was he was hilarious. He at one point we were talking about selling value in your presentation and he stood up and he said, the best presentations I've ever made were ones I didn't have to end up making. Yep. You know, and I think that's like, you know, we're salespeople are biting at the bit to prove their point and, and to they're making their closing arguments at the beginning instead of listening and really understanding what's going on. So that's it, it to get that to that point, And I think that's kind of been our topic of discussion to get to that point. It takes training, a framework. And then once they have that framework in place, then to practice, practice, practice until it becomes instinctive and automatic. And uh, that's a level that uh, not a lot of salespeople get to, but the ones that do, their job is easy. It's easy. They have and they they have very low stress, and they also have good home life because they're not working their butt off because they're making so many mistakes. They're just it's easy if they get it done. I used to come home after selling product support training, product support salesman. And I would do two classes a week, two days, somewhere in a hotel. And I'd come home Friday night. My wife and I would sit down, have a bottle of wine, talk about the week. And she'd ask me a question and I'd flip it. I'd ask her back a question. She, she, we'd do this two or three times. I've only been home at half an hour. And she said, Ronnie, you're not working. Answer the damn question. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good that you got in that mode oh, uh, because well, you, you get this, you know? 20 years earlier is coming and you talk the whole time is like, are you not going to listen to me? <laughs> so, uh, so you, you, you got to the master level there on a lot of people don't get there. <laughs> well, one of the things I find really intriguing for the last 15 months, I keep looking at our need to adapt to what I've been calling the new reality for a long time. And we haven't. And this pandemic has given us an opportunity to do a checkup, you know, gaze at our navel for a while and figure out what's our life. Having the ability with a Zoom meeting or whatever vehicle, there's many teams and other things, to go back six months after a class and have a Zoom meeting with everybody on the screen with you. And and we can be in your face. Here's the role play because you can share the screen and show the thing and let's, okay, boys, let's talk about it. You remember this? Yeah. It reinforcement it, that, that I'm glad you brought that up, Ron, because that was something I really wanted to hit on for, for the last 25 years, people would bring me in to do a sales training camp and to speak to their team, you know, kind of the Don Buttry show. And it went great, but here, here's what happened. They would fly people in from all the branches and all the locations huge cost, cater food, book lodging, have, have some uh, office assistant plan an agenda, logistics, and all this time and investment, like five times what it costs for me to come in, okay? And then the ultimate hope of that training was that it would start something, that it would start some disciplines within their people, that it would foster personal ownership, uh, 
that it would be directly applied to their market, their system, their CRMs, that it would, that it would uh, inspire some kind of a fire in their people to continue practicing and really working on their skills. Uh, yeah, gathering in the room like that, there's, there's some good stuff that happens. It's valuable. But that paradigm usually fell way short. I mean, I would go into a company and, and they'd get lit up and they'd say, we believe in the, 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 the four pillars framework. We believe in these disciplines. We want our people to do them. And then they'd go back to the crazy train and never talk about it again. Uh, but with virtual, now we can do that. Now they can get the they can get the the lecture the content and then get with their manager and and uh, everybody on the team get together and say okay how does this apply to us how does this apply to our customers uh, that that never happened in live events I this is a pretty strong statement here Ron but I'm not going to do live events anymore not because of the pandemic but because it's an antiquated way of doing it I mean. I'm not. I'm not saying that I, w- I wouldn't want to go to a sales meeting and and interact with all the people, but the the real gut level practice and work that needs to be done is not going to happen in some big meeting with some dude on the stage. It's not going to happen. Uh, the kind of gut level stuff that has to happen is going to happen in the trenches around the table every Monday with their manager. I hope the people listening, Don, dwell on that a little bit. It's, it's anachronistic now to consider, and I've done them, you've done them. I'm in front of a, a manufacturer's annual meeting, and I've got 450, 600 people in the room. And they spend a lot of time wiring me up, making my voice sound good, and all the rest of this nonsense. Right. And I wander around, and I've got four hours. And everybody gets rah-rah. It's like, it's like a revival. You believe? Yeah. yeah. And they leave, and it's over. Yeah. So the evangelist came in, but what are the pastors doing? Yeah. And I know at the end of a two day class, I would ask people to give me three things and give it to me that you're going to do when you go back to work. And 30 days thereafter, I would call and say, okay, how'd you do? Yeah. Very, very rarely did anybody get to it. You get back to work Monday morning, you run into the whirlwind and that's the end of it. You got to struggle to keep up. Oh, that nice thing of a change. Forget it. Yeah, I used, I used and I'll to tell you what. Here, here's the thing, Ron. Um, they don't report to me, and they don't yeah. report to you. Yeah. And so my whole philosophy on this has turned to: we got to get the the sales managers, the branch managers, the leaders to not only own it and then believe in it, but to coach it, reinforce it, apply it to their systems, and 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 have that that dynamic interaction because. They're the ones that that write the checks. They're the ones that that they have to answer to, and the salespeople need to be accountable to them. And when it works that way, it sticks. Yep. But if it's just a rah rah show, I mean, some of it sticks when you have that. Some people were highly impacted when you spoke to them, and they're like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing this," and they did it, but they did it on their own because of their their tenacity and because of their desire to succeed. Uh, but can you imagine what a team would be like if the managers were, if that was the expectation? <laughs> wow. Ed- education, it, it, especially in this virtual world, has gone through a transitory period. I think that they shortened the change cycle maybe by 20 years. What they now yeah. know is in, in university, it's a 50-minute class. 
typical deal. Some of them are longer, but typically it's a 50-minute class. What they're finding and what we're doing with all of our classes is every 10 minutes, put out a quiz. Every 10 minutes. So in our classes, we're embedding about every 10 to 20 slides, 8 to 12 minutes, a quiz. The first time they hit the quiz, they don't know what the heck to do. They get it wrong. The second time, oh, geez, they're going to be asking. So they get maybe 50. So they start listening. (laughs) Yeah. So the third time they do it, son of a gun, and they get it all now. And they found in in universities that by changing how they teach, they increase the learning and the retention by up to 50%. Now, that being true, if if they revert, just like our guys, they go back home. If they fall back when we go back to a normal world, to the way they've been doing things for the last 150 years, we're dead. Restaurants, takeout has become a really big deal. Yeah. They just they just magnified their capital foundation utilization. They got a building, it's a hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's not I got 25 seats. No, you don't. You got 500 seats if they come and pick up from the road. Right. The salesman, how do you magnify your calls? Use the telephone, use the internet. We had a chat with Ed Wallace a long time ago about salesmen in this rectangular world. Yeah. They don't even have branding on it. You know, wait a second. We've, we've got a lot of stuff we can do. That, that, that virtual world, that follow-up, it's much more powerful, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think it was right there in front of us, but we had these paradigms and, and we just kept doing it the way we're doing it. The pandemic did us a favor in that regard. Yeah. It helped us to see the technology. I, I've even seen it on TV shows and stuff. They're starting to realize why why are we spending all this energy, all this money when we've got the technology right here to do it? You don't have to have everybody in the same room. Um it, we, we just have to utilize that. I have had some of the best sales calls that I've that I've ever had uh, on Zoom or Teams meetings. And, and here's the reason, because I didn't spend $1,000 to fly out there and then stay in a motel and not sleep any good and then get up the next day and try to be fresh. And then we meet and then the guy has something else that he has to do. So the meeting starts late and I'm in a hurry and we didn't get anywhere. Whereas with this technology, it's just on demand when it works and we can get so much done. It it just, we just have to change our mindset. Uh, I'm really working with my customers to, I'm really, you talk about being a teacher. I'm trying to teach them to utilize the power of e-learning versus a lecture. And, and to, to get that information, just like you've, you're providing your clients, I'm providing mine, they get that content and then process it incrementally with their manager and their team and let it really sink in and become a part of their culture and the way they sell. And I'll tell you what, if, if they embrace that, and I've got some, some uh, equipment dealers who have, and they are just blowing my mind how good their salespeople are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they started yeah. out really rough. Yeah. We, we, we have classes, as you know, and we would deal with multiple branch dealers. And what I'm saying to them is, look, you want to, let's have everybody take this class. And at the end of the month, we'll have a Zoom meeting and, and we'll just spend two or three hours chatting about it. And 
the first time through the guys, oh, darn, I didn't realize I was going to have to do this. I should have paid more attention to the class. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> remarkable. But when they do it, and I've been doing this, I I, I do four incremental things. I'm, I'm working with one equipment dealer. They've got seven new hires. They go through a segment of the training. And then on Tuesdays at nine o'clock, I have a team's meeting with them. And they knew, and I, their manager and me, we said, you better do the work and you better be ready because you're going to do, we're going to ask you about the assignments. We're going to discuss. So take notes and be ready. And those meet those one hour meetings were probably more effective than three hours of training. Yeah. I agree because they're, it's coming out that we're asking them questions and they're, they're saying, yeah, I really like this segment. It did this. And I, and I realized I wasn't doing this and the, those meetings were some of the most profound meetings that they've ever had because they were processing what they learned instead of just taking a drink out of a fire hydrant and then going back to what they were doing before. You You think you can use the same framework done for a salesman of new equipment as for used equipment, as for rental, as for parts and service? Absolutely. As long as the content is the, just the fundamental disciplines, and then they're applied, processed, discussed with that unique group. Some of the same content. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all fundamental disciplines, territory management, strategic planning, tactical planning. The thing is, how is it applied? Well, that's where the manager is going to be better than the trainer in applying it. Yeah. Because they know their people, they know their customers, they know, you know, rental is a completely different sales environment than than equipment sales. CCE equipment, completely different than, than major heavy equipment. The selling cycles are different. The customer base is different. You know, you're, you're instead of dealing with mom and pop construction guys, you're dealing with corporations. All that, you cannot create training that's just specifically applied just to them. What you have to do is give them the fundamentals in a curriculum, and then they apply it and own it and process it. And the thing is, when they do that, it sticks. Yeah. It's the other thing that's interesting about that, and not everybody considers this IBM was salespeople. They created clones. Remember, you weren't supposed to be able to determine what you wore white shirts, ties, pockets pressed to the wall, you know? Yeah. And they were selling. 500,000, 5 million, $50 million deals. Well, they created the personal computer. They didn't know how to sell a, a $5,000, $10,000 product. Yeah. And, and vice versa, somebody who's used to selling a $5,000, $10,020, whatever it is, car, General Motors, for instance, they're not going to be able to sell a Bentley. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Same framework. Right, but you have to adapt. I I always say you got to be a chameleon. You got to be what your audience wants you to be. And then you have to once you learn some of those new things, especially if you're if you're switching from from one type of selling to another, then you have to practice it because it won't. You you don't have the muscle memory, so to speak, to do it properly. So you're going to go down your your worn paths and do it old school way if you haven't really had the training and the practice. And so I, I, th- I think that's been the theme of our discussion is training is, is important and it needs to be regular, but practice needs to be ongoing from, from, it from then ends. on. You, you, you got to keep doing. It. Yeah. Look at Tom Brady. Never ends. Yeah. He's a classic example of that. 
Um, he, you know, they run their patterns over and over. And then when you get in game time, it's just, it's automatic. natural. It's automatic. It blows your mind how good they are. Yeah. Tom Brady's a, a perfect example of that. And, yeah. and so was Peyton Manning. Oh, he was always one of my favorite. He, well, he wasn't a physical specimen, but man, he could execute and he could read the defense and he knew, he knew how to apply his knowledge and then execute it beautifully. And all Loved. week long preparing, preparing for the game coming up, not on the yeah. field, but in front of a screen, watching the opponents. What do they do? How's it? I mean, that's preparation, 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 practice, practice. Don, I've got I, this is wonderful. This would be a good time. I pulled a, another quote out by Vince Lombardi. I loved it. He said, To me, the big thing in being a successful team is repetition of what you're doing either by word of mouth, blackboard, or specifically work on the field. You repeat, repeat, repeat as a unit. Repeat, repeat, repeat as a unit. So if you get the right practice, you get the right curriculum, and then you work it, that's that's when your team goes to a level that uh, you can't even believe they could ever get to. It's amazing. Lombardi used to say that Star could stand at the line, call the play out loud to everybody hearing it, we're going to run Paul Horning around the right end on the count of two. Let's see if you can stop us. And <laughs> they, they practiced to such a degree that if they executed, they couldn't be stopped. He said, yeah. then we're in business, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you know, no matter what the defense does, you're ready. Yeah. You're ready. Another little yeah. story in, in, in uh, Kramer's book, Instant Replay, about Bart Starr, he gets in a, 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 a huddle and he's got a new offensive left tackle, one of the most critical linemen on the field. So he calls the play, looks at this dude, and he says, do you know what I just called? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're okay with that? Yes, sir. Go up to the line. The kid misses his block and starts on his butt. Go back into the huddle. He's got dirt on him. He's got grass on him. He looks over at the kid. He said, did you understand the play? Yes, sir, I did. Well, let's let's do it again. I'm going to call exactly the same play. Let's see what happens now. So they get up to the line. Exactly the same thing happens. The guy misses his block. He's on his butt. Star goes into the huddle. He calls the same play again. I said, you let that guy through here one more time. I'm going to kick you in the ass in front of 100,000 people. Never got through again. <laughs> the part there is there's a consequence to bad yeah. behavior. There's a yeah. consequence to bad sales techniques. It's, um, and, you know, and gee, I don't understand how come George is so good at it and I'm having trouble. There's a consequence. Yeah. Go travel with this, George for a while. Find out what he does. I, I think this is kind of a, a, a good spot to even kind of wind this down. It, it always rises and falls on leadership. And uh, I worked with a, a dealership uh, some time ago that uh, – they, they, they put their people through the training and they were doing some of the practice and they were trying to drive home the disciplines and they contacted me and they said, you know, the guys just aren't responding and they're, they're, they got, they got attitudes and they're, they're just, they're just, not, they're just like, they think they, they don't need this. And I'm like, whose fault is that? If, if you, if you let a teenager get away with murder for all, and then you all of a sudden change the specs, they're not going to like it. 
you've got to stand up to this and you got to, you got to, they're waiting to see if you're going to go They're They're just, here, here's what your, your salespeople are saying. And eh, let's, let's just wait this out. Maybe they'll, they'll kind of get off of this kick of getting better and just let us go back to what we were doing. And I said, as a leader, you have got to stand firm. And if they don't get on board, get rid of them. Because otherwise, you're, you're, they're going to drag the rest of the all the all the rookies are not are going to just get drugged down by them because of their attitude. You know, sometimes it's the the high performer that messes up the whole team. Um, and you know, I, I always tell them go go watch Remember the Titans. Uh, you know, you got to get the whole team working together. You can't have somebody thinking, "Hey, I'm too good for this. I don't need to practice." Well, the, and and we've got one playing itself out in front of our eyes with Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, and they didn't treat him right. Yeah, or at yeah. least that's what we hear. I, you know, I guess I should be a little bit more open-minded. Okay, so with a big bow on this, how what what would be your closing message to people from this discussion? Uh, it, it, that's real clear to me. Is if you haven't trained and developed your people. You've got to find some curriculum. Of course, I have that, but I'm not saying that that has to be it. But you, you've got to give them the fundamentals. They have to have territory management disciplines. They've got to have strategic selling, understanding, and, and more proactive selling instead of just going through the motions. And they have to have tactical skill. They've got to have a selling process to prepare for their calls. How, how are they going to run the call? They've got to have a process. And then after they get that under their belt, Practice, practice, practice. Keep yelling it on the sidelines, preaching your message, making sure they hit. It's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize. And so they've got to continue to emphasize that as a management team. Do a lot of ride-alongs, do a lot of role-playing. Uh, have that as the expectation. Get rid of all that ridiculous fear of coaching and 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 you know being threatened by that uh, and let them know, hey, we're here to help you get better. And if a, if a company will do that training and then ongoing religious practice, uh, that's how you're going to grow sales. That's, that's how you're going to make it happen. So training and practice is the key. You're wonderful, young man. Thank you very much. I it's been good talking with you, as always, Ron. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed this. And if they, um, if, if you want to get in touch with Don, Professional selling skills, I think is salesprofessionaltraining.com. There you go. Salesprofessionaltraining.com. And thank you for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and having you involved in another con candid conversation in the future. Thanks. All right. Bye been now. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.